0: You're listening to episode number 23 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Today, we talk about men, women, marriage, conflict, and how to deal with it all. Cue it up.
1: Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host... Jason LaVoy.
0: Welcome, everybody, to episode number 23. We are cranking right along here. It is uh, the end of June, and it's getting hot out there in summertime land, but I love this time of year. So today's episode, I talk with Quentin Hafner. He's a relationship expert in California, and we jam a little bit about the differences between men and women and how Uh, Both genders deal with conflict, deal with marriage issues uh, and divorce, and it's a really interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Prior to working as a therapist, Quentin spent many years in the corporate world before he realized how much he enjoyed helping people, and he made the decision to pursue being a therapist and a coach full-time. It was the best decision he ever made. He believes that true lasting change happens in the context of trusting of a trusting relationship with another person and that is what he hopes to gain with all his clients. So, without further ado, let me welcome to the show Quentin Hafner. Quentin man, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad to have you here.
1: Thanks, Jason. Excited to chat with you.
0: So, so let's talk a little bit. Um you're you're out in California, right? Mhm, mhm and you're a relationship coach slash therapist do I have that right
1: yeah i'm a you know, technically i'm a marriage and family therapist and a relationship coach yep
0: awesome so what was it that was the catalyst for you kind of getting into the therapy coaching space
1: yeah that's kind of like a, a a little bit of a long story i'll give you kind of like the real abridged version um, i about ten or fifteen years ago I went through a divorce and um Going through a divorce pushed me into therapy, Um, not in a bad way, but I I really wanted to kind of like figure some stuff out, wanted to figure out kind of like how that happened, what happened. I just had a ton of questions. So I ended up going to therapy uh, through my divorce, and I just kind of like fell in love with the therapy process while um, I was in it myself. So one day I just kind of wondered if I could do that as a job. And at the time I had a pretty a thriving career in commercial real estate. And I started going back to grad school. So I went back and got my master's in clinical psychology. And everybody thought I was uh, totally nuts and that I had lost my mind. And um, I can imagine. Know, one, yeah, exactly. You know, one day I quit my job and that was it. The rest is history.
0: Nice. So when you say your divorce kind of drove you uh, to start to get into therapy, was your divorce nasty, contested? What?
1: No, it wasn't nasty and it wasn't contested. And I think um, maybe that's that was kind of like part of my confusion at the time that I really wanted to kind of like sort things out in therapy. I mean, I know that my first wife and I, you know, we really cared about each other. There was, um, you know, a high degree of affection for one, of, one another. Um, but somehow we just couldn't figure out how to be married. And, um, so, you know, of course, you know, we, we fought a lot. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good marriage or else we wouldn't have got a divorce, but, um, you know, it was, um, kind of a strange situation in that, I guess it's really not that strange. Actually, a lot of people feel this way. Um, there was, um, you know, there was, you know, we, we had a high degree of care for one another, but we just could not figure out how to be married.
0: No, no, I hear that. That's, that's why people get divorced. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The um, so, see, so you're now a a relationship coach, um, and you work with people. You work mainly with people who are, you know, have already decided that the marriage is not working for them, and they're ready for divorce. Or do you work with people who are working through the marriage and are still in that stage, trying to see if they can reconcile?
1: I would say most of my clients, it's the latter you know um so you know i i do i do i do get clients that come to me and they've already kind of maybe have kind of determined in their mind that they don't want to stay married and you know sometimes for those particular clients going to therapy can almost feel just like a last hurrah kind of even almost like maybe even a checking of the box to kind of say hey we did everything but really inside themselves they know they don't really want to be married um I don't get, so if you think, I I kind of use like the football field analogy. So those people are kind of at the one yard line and most of my clients are probably at the 10 yard line. So still in a, in a pretty bad place, really unhappy. They've certainly thought about divorce. They've probably talked about divorce, but they aren't ready to totally give up yet. Maybe, um, they still feel hopeful to some degree. Maybe it's kind of morality that's kind of holding them together. It could be kids. It could be finances. But they they still have a glimmer of um, of of hope left in the relationship. And those are mostly my clients. I wish that wasn't true. I wish people came and saw me on the thirty yard line. But the well, reality right. is, you know, most people. And this is kind of just an unfortunate thing about therapy and the reality of our culture. Sadly, most people don't reach out for help until it is often too late.
0: Yeah, and why do you think that is? I mean, is that because there's still that kind of stigma attached to therapy? Or, because I've always wondered that too. Like therapy, it's always, right, it's like the last hurrah, but it's almost, most of the time, I feel like the people are kind of past the point of no return. So it's not as effective as it could have been if they, you know, found you earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is an interesting phenomenon. You know, I think, you know, the, 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 way I've kind of come to understand it is I just think it goes back to the principle. I think just denial is a very powerful reality and it, it's, it's not dissimilar to, you know, the 55 year old man who, um, you know, refuses to get the annual physical because he doesn't want to hear the bad news. And so he would rather live kind of in a state of denial until he goes in to see the doctor and they're like, look, you need kind of quadruple bypass surgery, or your heart's going to stop. Right. So I think that when it comes to marriage, I think that you know people know that there's a lot of problems. People are really you know deeply entrenched in their pain, but it's almost scarier to go face it. And so people will really wait until the eleventh hour to um, address it. So that's why I think most people wait. I don't. I don't see it so much as the uh, maybe the. the there is a little bit of the, you know, maybe the therapy feels stigmatizing, but I think it's more along the lines of, um, you know, I'm kind of, it's, it's really a fear response. It's kind of like, I'm kind of scary to open up that, that door and see what's behind it. And so I would rather just avoid it, avoid it, avoid it until I get to a place where I just can't avoid it at all.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like that sweeping under the rug phenomenon. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And there's a little bit of a gender kind of thing with that. I think, you know, um, you know, men, you know, more generally will kind of live in that space of denial longer than women. I think women are their verbal processors of their emotions. And so they are going to be more apt to kind of expressing discontent, you know, kind of trying to initiate therapy and it's usually men who are kind of holding back on doing that until they have to do that. So that's why I really like working with guys. I mean, that's really kind of like, that's my personal kind of mission in, in my practice is really trying to help husbands and, you know, um, you know, kind of addressing even that point. Like I put a lot of stuff out on, on the internet. It's like, hey guys, you know, it's like really important to try to act early don't be afraid. Therapy is not scary. You know, it's, it's a lot worse if you wait, um, just to, you know, try to initiate some of those, um, try to, try to address their fears, I should say.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Now the people that you work with, are they coming in together and you're doing couples coaching or is it more individual?
1: That's about, um, <clears throat> I would say that that's, that's probably like split about 50, 50 in my practice. So. Um, Um, yeah, so I work with a lot of couples and I work with a lot of individuals too, but it's all under the kind of the, 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 the umbrella of something's going on in the relationship, something's broken and they're trying to fix it. So, uh, I get a lot of guys who maybe, um, maybe their wives kind of initiated a divorce or they've kind of have kind of done a formal separation and they're like, Oh my God, Holy shit. They're kind of having that kind of like you know, um, panic moment. And so I'll get get a lot of guys in that kind of state. And it's kind of like, Hey, I didn't really realize that my wife was so close to this. And so I'll do whatever it takes to try to fix it. Um, I get a lot of that. And then, um, I get, I get a lot of guys contemplating. Um, and we kind of talked offline about that earlier about they're kind of contemplating. Should I stay in the marriage? Should I leave the marriage? They're in that kind of, should I stay or should I go spot? Yeah, um, and yeah, and then I just get a lot of couples who are just having marital problems and they're trying to sort it out and fix it.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So let's talk about marriage and and conflict a little bit. Let, what would you say are some of the the more common struggles that you find people dealing with in in marriages now?
1: Well. You know, I I think, you know, the, 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 you know, still the number one reason reported why people come to marriage counseling or trying to fix their relationship is people say that we have communication problems. So that's kind of like the catch all phrase that people use, you know, even when I work with a couple, I'll say, Oh, you know, why are you guys here? And it's like, Oh, we need help communicating. Right. (laughs) So, so, you know, I think that's kind of a pretty, you know, that's a benign way in a kind of an innocent way of saying like. We really hate each other, and we're just you know <laughs> really unhappy. Yeah, he's an asshole, and I can't stand being around her. And like, um, but we're gonna be polite about it, and we're gonna say that we have communication <laughs> problems. So I get you know I get a lot of that. You know that's that's still kind of a thing. Um, that's a really big thing. And um, the you know the way I like to try to like work with people is you know I I try to help them see you know, if I could kind of like break down six months of couples therapy in a couple short sentences, it's kind of like helping people see that the things that they're fighting about are not really the things that they're fighting about. So if they're having arguments about money, sex and kids, or whatever the topic is, people can stay stuck in that place forever, you know, where they're just in this like perpetual state of disagreement. Right. And, and what I help them try to see is that there are these underlying emotions that are, that are um, kind of driving those contextual arguments or those, 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 those content issues. And what, you know, for for so many people in relationships, they don't, they're, they're, they don't really have an ability. They just don't really, they don't have a vernacular of vocabulary to talk about those emotions and so they end up getting stuck in these um, really trivial arguments about these topics but what I help them understand is that there's all these emotions underneath and getting them to a place where they can articulate these emotions and once people can do that it has really a real kind of magical and powerful way of helping the couple get out of that cycle of um you know, arguing about whether we should get chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream. You know, stuff where it's like, okay, well chocolate. What's yeah, exactly chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised, you're a guy. Most women are like chocolate, most guys are like vanilla, so oh really? Uh, yeah, usually. But.
0: Um anything but vanilla.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> or I, I live in Orange County, so people most people are like, We'll just buy both. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, well you're you're missing the point, you know, you can only right. buy one, you know. Right.
0: But but no, what you're saying rings true. Like it's the whatever you know the little you know i won't say trivial because to them it's not trivial right but whatever the issue is that they're fighting over or or they think is the reason they're you know getting help with you that's more like the symptom of the underlying illness does that make sense
1: yeah totally that's exactly right and th- i think that's a really great way to kind of explain it too it's that you know that argument that fight that disagreement over you know, what vacation to take next year is symptomatic of something deeper happening in the relationship. And once people have a grasp or an understanding of what that deeper thing is, then they can actually solve the real problem. But what most people do is they end up, you know, staying stuck in an argument about whether they should, you know, go to Hawaii or go to the Bahamas and that's not really the issue. The The issue is understanding these underlying emotions. And and so no problems can ever get solved until we really have a good understanding of what the emotions are that are driving it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And do you ever find, like, how common is it in your practice after working with people and kind of working through the, that particular issue, getting them to see, you know, that there's this underlying, you know, bigger issue that you're dealing with that is it's causing all these you know, communication problems that, you know, they have that aha moment where they're like, Oh yeah, now I get it. Does that ever happen?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I could do this job if I didn't have those experiences, you know? So it happens a lot. And, um, yeah, so I mean that's the stuff that keeps me kind of fulfilled in the job because it, you know, I'm like okay, like it's, you know, cuz of course I want I want to have those positive experiences with my clients and it makes me feel good to know that I'm actually helping people and people are changing and people are having kind of a new paradigm. So yeah, it happens a lot. Mhm.
0: Yeah, it's it's you, you and I are similar in that way because, you know, in my work helping people, you know, get through get through the divorce process it, that's why i do it is because um you know you see the the change you see them you know get through the the obstacles the hurdles and and hopefully on the other side and and you know pursuit of happiness and and everything that comes with that and um you know that's why i became a originally i became a divorce attorney to to really get into that and but then i didn't I realized that wasn't help- that wasn't working, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I wasn't helping in the way I originally thought to. So I, I love the I, I love doing the coaching and, and like you, you know, helping them kind of go through that journey.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it, you know I think you and I's our, our job, um, you know, is similar in in that it's probably uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm imagining it can be very emotionally taxing. It can be pretty draining. You're kind of like, you know you're kind of in relationship with people at some of the worst uh, times of their lives. So you have to have that, that, that aspect probably has to get balanced out with the rewarding aspect too, where it feels fulfilling and gratifying, because if it didn't, it would probably just be like, this is really depressing. And I can't wait to not do this kind of work anymore.
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) That's why I stopped being a divorce attorney because the uh, you know, I was coming home and I'm pretty good at kind of, Leaving work, you know, in the office type of thing and keeping it at arm's length, I'm pretty good at that. But it just was getting to the point where, right, it was just too much negativity all the time, and mm-hmm. and I wasn't I wasn't seeing the the payoff and, and the transformation that I wanted to see in people. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but mm. yeah, I, I find that coaching and doing it this way, I, I kind of it's the best of both worlds. I'm not dealing with the like all the crap with litigation, um, -hmm. I don't represent people anymore directly, but, but I'm helping them, you know, with the transformative stuff and helping them understand and feel confident and empowered. And that's what, right. That's the payoff for me and why I I keep doing it. Yep, definitely.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I I still make the mistake from time to time of uh, taking on clients that I shouldn't take on because you know for for me to feel gratified and to feel like i'm actually helping people part of that equation is working with people that a i know i can help and then b are willing to actually kind of do their part in the process right because i'm not i'm not a magician you know it's like they have to do the heavy lifting I, i'm i'm a guide who's going to kind of point them in the direction of what they need to do but some people are just stubborn and some people are obstinate and some people you know, we'll say that they want help, but then when it really comes down to kind of doing the work, they're not really willing to do it. And of course those cases can be really frustrating and you know, I can leave the office and kind of beat my head against the wall. And, um, but I think as time has gone on, I've gotten a little bit better at, um, kind of like teasing out with people right away. Like, are you really ready for this? And I, and I tell couples that, like when I work with a couple, Um, Or if I work with an individual, like let's say I'm working with a guy that's trying to save his marriage, you know, I'm pretty upfront and I think that makes me a little bit, I'm not going to say it makes me totally different as a therapist, but it makes me unique because most therapists are not, um, I would say they're not as direct as me. They're not as confrontational as me. They're probably a little bit more passive and that's, that's totally fine and good. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just, it's a different personality trait. So I, I, I'm pretty upfront with people in the beginning. And I just say, you know, like, I'm, you know, just give you like fair warning. This is going to be super, super hard and it's not, there's no quick fix. And I'm going to ask you to do things that, you know, a, you're going to, you're going to probably think I'm crazy because I'm asking you to do it. And then B, you're not going to want to do it. You're going to find all the reasons in the world to not do it. And I need to feel confident that you're going to still kind of commit to doing it. And it's like, do we have that kind of an agreement with each other? And it's like, okay, yes. Because if we don't, then I just know it's not going to work. And I'm going to give people interventions to do and things to do. And then it's going to be a setup for failure for everybody. And I just don't want to have that. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty upfront about how hard it is. And um, not as a way to scare people away, because that's not what I want to do. But I just want to be kind of like full disclosure. This is what you're signing up for. It's not It's not a walk in the park.
0: Right. It, it's. It's... It's one of the, it's odd and you and I are, are, are so similar, um, you know, in our respective spaces in the way we do it because I always say you can lead a horse to water, but you know, can't make him drink, right? Mm-hmm. And, and our, that's our job as coaches, you know, I think in part is to, we're the guides, like you said, we're leading them to where they need to go, but they got to, they got to walk it and they got to put in the work. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating because, you can see the potential in almost everybody, and, and like you, mm. I, it's it's hard picking the the clients because you want to help everybody, but they gotta want it, and they gotta want to work for it because it's not just gonna it's not just gonna happen.
1: Yeah, it you know, and, and I think there there you know, I think there's something about just human nature. I mean, don't you think that you know, in all of us, you know, we um, you know, we want to lose ten pounds, but we don't want to change our diet. Right. You know, we, you know, we want to have a great relationship, but we don't want to do anything different, you know, or, you know, whatever the thing. I think there's just human, it's part of human nature. You know, we want, it's so, so, so often inside of us, you know, we, you know, we want to have a change in our lives, but, we may not be willing to do the work that that change requires. And that's okay, you know, and I I don't judge anybody that kind of is in that space, because certainly there's a million things in my life that I would want different, but I'm not willing to work for it. I just think it's important for people to be honest with themselves. Like, are you really ready to do this? Are you really committed? You know, how, you know, how certain do you feel that you really want to kind of go down this road? Um, You know, because I just think that, you know, that's important for people to kind of understand that it's not going to be easy.
0: Yeah. Nothing. Uh, what, what's, that, what's the phrase? Nothing in life. Nothing. Worthwhile. Life.
1: Or, yeah. There you go. What was it? I was like, nothing worthwhile ever comes easy or something. Yeah, like it is. That. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. yeah. That's a great little cliche. And I, I, I feel like I just believe in that cliche more and more as time goes on. I'm like, you know what? That is so true. It's so true. And as it relates to marriage, you know, let me just, I'll say this one thing and I'll shut up here. You know, yeah. I think that like, um, you know, man, there's just like such an interesting like frame of mind in our culture that, um, you know, like, okay, so there's this young couple, this is like a, an imaginary story. You know, there's a, there's a young couple, they're in their young twenties, mid twenties, they fall in love and they say, you know, you know, let's, let's make a declaration about our love in front of our f- friends and family and let's commit our lives to each other and let's be married. And, um, and so, you know, as the story goes, they get married and then eventually they come out of the honeymoon period and their marriage starts to get a little rocky and they start arguing and they, and then they go like, gosh, you know, this wasn't, this isn't, and and hasn't been, you know, what I thought it was. And, and, you know, and then, so they start to make sense of that in all sorts of ways. Well, maybe, you know, she's not right for me and maybe, maybe this is wrong or maybe that's wrong. And, and kind of going back to that cliche about, you know, nothing ever good, you know, ever worthwhile is, is easy. And it's like, I think we set people up for failure, like as a, as a, as a, as a culture at large about marriage, like, like nobody sits down with that premarital couple very rarely. And they're like, look, if you really want to do this marriage thing, just prepare yourself. It's going to be really difficult and it's going to require you to change things about your your personality and your character and all sorts of things, because it's going to be a maturing process. And I know you're in love right now and I know you're really happy, but I just want you to know that what you're signing up for is going to really test you. It's going to test your value system. It's going to test your character. It's going to test your personality. Like, do you really want to do that? (laughs) Wait, You're not doing
0: a great sales job.
1: (laughs) I know, it's right. I feel like we should we should talk more people out of getting married. You know what I mean?
0: I, I can see a commercial on that now.
1: <laughs> like you, nobody, nobody you really does want that? to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, isn't that like, but I, I feel like we set people up for failure in, in, in a certain, uh, you know, to a certain extent because it's kind of like we don't really let people know what's likely. You know, I think everybody just kind of like, you know, kind of rallies around the excitement about, you know, choosing the wedding venue and then it's like, we're off and running and it's like, man, we missed a whole bunch of stuff. And I've, I've read like, you know, some history books about marriage and like, you know, and I think, you know, there's this idea that like historically that would have been, like people would have gone through all sorts of like rites of passages and rituals before they were even allowed to get married, you yeah. know, where they would have then they would have had to kind of shown their character or their um, resilience as a person before the tribe, let's say, would have, you know, honored that. I just, I feel like we've really lost touch with that as a culture, you know. I mean, do you, do you kind of, does it resonate with you?
0: No, totally. I mean, I, I, you're, you're on point, you know, if people spent, as much time as they do on the guest list as they do on their marriage and relationship, then, you know, that might be a good start. Right. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. like, I I feel like the emphasis is, is on the wrong things, but you know, then, then you start getting into, which, you know, I don't want to get too involved with, you know, today, but like, you know, depending on your religion, you have, you know, I guess you're supposed to like in Catholicism go through Precana. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like different religions have different things that you're supposed to do. And not everybody does it. And if you, I, I never went through the pre-K and I'm not Catholic, but if like I don't know how you know worthwhile going through that exercise is. I mean, I, I think in theory doing that type of thing is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, everybody should really. Like, I don't. I don't know how you do it because right, you're every movie you see about love and fairy tales, it, it paints the total it's the marketing picture of what marriage mm-hmm. and love really is. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't help. And and then people get this I, I always blame and this is gonna show my age a little bit, right? But I like the remember the show Sex in the City? Yeah, totally. Yeah, great show. I, I feel like that just screwed everything up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right <laughs> I, yeah. I felt like that totally just like messed it up and, and now that rewired everybody's um brains into what you know love and relationships and happiness you know should be about
1: yeah but, right right no um. it's really true you know like i remember my wife and i my current wife um we went we're like uh you know mm-hmm. protestant christians we went through this like premarital counseling class through our church and like i mean honestly it's kind of a joke you know just between you and i yeah, and, yeah, and all, just all us, the people man. listening yeah <laughs> um it's just kind of like oh you know like um, you know, let's talk about making a budget together. And like these are kind of important ideas. I'm not, I'm not trying to dis- diminish the whole thing. But, you know, as a contrast, um, you know, I remember I had a, I had a professor in, in, in grad school and, um, you know, he said that whenever he worked with a premarital couple in counseling, he took it as his personal mission to try to break them up wow and 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 when it when he first said that i was like man this guy's an ass you know like what a what a prick you know he's kind of like you know but now i feel like i really understand more where he's coming from you know and he wasn't doing it in a um you know a sadistic way or a harmful way but he was really trying to test them for what was likely to come you know and so he would he would have such a provocative therapy with them that i was like hey if you could withstand this you know maybe you guys should get married maybe that would really be a good life decision but you know he he kind of approached it really differently as opposed to oh this is exciting you know and like you know you guys are about to embark on the marriage journey and you know how can i just kind of nurture that he had a totally different approach he's like yeah, you guys shouldn't be married, and I'm going to tell you exactly why. And if you can, call, <laughs> and if you can call bullshit on me, and you can prove me wrong, then you know maybe you do have a, you know maybe there's a good opportunity here.
0: No, I think there's something there's something to to be said about that because I always say like the true test of, and I think this applies to individuals and and couples really. You know the true test of somebody's character or the strength of a relationship is not when times are good, but when times are bad and you're dealing with adversity. Mm-hmm. You know that's mm-hmm. when you know, your true colors come out. And so, you know, when things are good, everybody's happy and everybody's good. Right. But it's, it's those other times when you're, when it's really testing it, um, that, you know, yeah. What, are, what is the relationship in, you know, talking about marriage? What is it made of, you know, and how strong is it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Because, cool. you know, when it's good, it's like, you know, we can kind of be in a relationship with anybody. Right. And then, then when it gets, when things start to get squirrely, then it's really like, we start to see what's really there. What's really underneath.
0: Yeah. What are you willing to fight for and, and how, Mm -hmm. and and, and more importantly, it's not, what are you willing to fight for? It's, and I've talked about this with other people. Let me, tell me what you think about this. Actually, it's, you know, when you're dealing with conflict, it's not the fact that there is conflict. That is the, the big issue. It's, it's how, you're dealing with the conflict.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you agree with that?
1: Oh man, uh, for sure. You know, I think conflict is a, um, you know, I was at this art show in Minneapolis uh, a couple of years ago and there was this, uh, this awesome um, uh, art, art, art display. It was like a, a light sign and it said that the, it was like a, it was words on it. And it said, the, the, the caption was, when we work together, we create conflict. And I was like, man, that is like so brilliant, you know, and huh. because it, it, it's really true, you know, if you think about it, it's like conflict is a kind of known entity anytime two people come together. There's like conflict is just part of the, it's like part of our existence, you know, it's, it it, it it's just kind of this like living, breathing thing that is kind of, always there inside the relationship so we can never ever ever get away from it we can never avoid it in fact we shouldn't you know because if we if we don't have conflict then all that means is that we're not being honest and so so i think conflict is so important to have because you know it's how we actually get known by one another and it's how we learn to know somebody else but you know to your point so many people don't know how to do conflict, you know, like I, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a, you know, in a family where conflict was, you know, horribly modeled for me. You know, I grew up in a kind of a chaotic family, yelling, screaming, you know, when somebody didn't get their way, it was like, you know, everybody was, you know, walking on eggshells because somebody was really pissed off. And so that was, that was my role modeling. So it was like, Oh, when you get mad, you just throw shit, you know, you you know, when you get mad, you have a fit, you know, and if you get, it's like, whoever's the loudest person in the room wins. I was was going to say whoever screams loudest. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was taught, you know? And so then, you know, when I'm 24, I get married and, you know, my wife does something that I don't like. What do I do? I just do what my dad did. You know, I just get loud. And she's like, you're fucking berserk and you're crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is how you do it. (laughs) How do you do it? (laughs) Yeah. And of course she eventually left me and I was, you know, surprised. (laughs) 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 I shouldn't be surprised. But so, you know, we're not taught those things, you know, we're not really, you know, we're not, people aren't really, you know, I would just say generally, or then, you know, there's the opposite side of that equation or that spectrum. People come from very subdued families, very suppressed families where there is no conflict, right? It's like everything is swept under the rug. We don't ever raise our voice, we don't ever really speak out, speak up. And so that's that's another paradigm that a lot of people internalize about conflict, you know? So it's like we want to you know, we want to learn how to do that in a healthy way. And I, in my experience, I just don't think a lot of people have ever been taught that. And that's kind of sad because it's like all these people out there in the world are trying to have this, you know, intimate interpersonal relationship with their significant other. They don't have these skills and tools and, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, I just don't think we're really doing anybody any favors.
0: Now, I just had a brilliant idea. I, yeah. I think you and I need to create like a, a how to deal with conflict course.
1: Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be Boom. Fun. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, seriously?
0: because people—that's what they need, right? As as part of the premarital, it should be a requirement, like how to deal with conflict.
1: Yeah, you know, the the problem with the premarital stuff, though, and this is my experience. I used to actually teach a premarital class at a, um, at, a at a at a church. The problem with premarital people is that premarital people are just on cloud nine. Yeah, and so if you teach them about conflict, they're going to be like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, like. You know, we're just excited to go wine tasting tomorrow. Right. You know, so it's all. I think it's a great class. You know, but I think the people that would really benefit from it and the people that would really engage in it are the people that are actually in the conflict because they're like, ah, this feels horrible. You know, I'll do anything to change this.
0: So right, all right. So we'll we'll call the website yourfirstfight.com dot com.
1: Yeah, your first fight. That's great. That's brilliant, dude. Right. I love that.
0: We're doing it, people. That. Everybody listening, we're doing this. Yeah, I think,
1: hold us accountable. I think, yeah,
0: no, seriously, it, it, something like that. Maybe that. Maybe that's what people need. Now, you said something, Quentin, a few minutes ago, that kind of perked my ears up. Not that I'm not listening to everything you're saying, but you know, like, have you? How how common is it that you hear people say, "Oh, we never fight." um have you, ha, have you ever heard that
1: oh yeah i heard i heard a lot yeah because when I people say lot. that mm-hmm.
0: i'm like come on you know like what wh- who are you trying to fool like how can you never fight and and people who are married years you know not not newlyweds or anything like that but i'm like because i think you know fighting is conflict i think conflict is healthy like you said because that's how people grow and and really learn how to you know communicate with each other and, and get through you know, the hard times. And so when people say, well, we never fight, mm-hmm. I just don't understand that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, um, you know, I can definitely tell you that it exists cause I, I do hear that story. You know, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a couple right now and working through an affair. Um, the husband had an affair and you know, they've been married 25 years and that's their story. We never fought. We never had disagreements. We never, um, and, and, and I think the, uh, the affair, um, caught them off guard and of course caught everybody around them off guard because, um, by, from the outside perspective, everybody thought they had this really incredible relationship because they were really civil with each other. They were best friends. They got along, but what was missing in their relationship was honesty like real honesty, like the kind of honesty where we say, you know what, I don't like this about you, and I'm being very honest. Um, because they didn't do that, they never thought about anything. It's almost like they just played it really safe for 25 years, and they never did anything to rock the boat. And then, you know, tw- you that, know fast forward 25 years, there's an yeah, affair.
0: That, that's really hard to do, I mean, to, to play it safe all the time, unless you are, I guess you come from like that passive model growing up, you know, where you didn't really express yourself, but right. Because you have to just to agree, even if you disagree, just to agree on everything all the time. I don't know. It sounds like it it just doesn't, you know, I I just picture a volcano A volcano, you know, you know, kind of, you know, building up and building up and then right. 25 years later, maybe it kind of, it just blows, but I don't know. That's
1: exact yeah that's exactly right you know I think it's like the volcano analogy you know it's building 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 and if you if two people get married and they both grew up or come from families where everything's pretty suppressed this is very common in actually religious families you know especially kind of yeah. like you know because there's a lot of like you know I, I i believe there's a lot of biblical verses that are kind of taken out of context even about anger and what you do with anger and that anger is kind of bad and so a lot of you know kind of christian um, sphere people that grow up in those kind of families are kind of internalized these messages that you know You know, we we want to be peacemakers. We want to keep the peace. We want to be nice. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't get angry. And so, if two of those people grow up in families like that and they end up marrying each other, that's the kind of relationship that they have.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Yeah, I think that's totally, totally on point there. So, Mm -hmm. let me ask you, because I want to get in a couple more questions here before we got to go. But, like, we're kind of talking around and, and having to do with conflict and, and marriage and all that. And, you know, you say, so you deal with men and women, you work with men and women in your experience when, is there a difference in how men and women handle conflict? Or is it just yeah, person and, to person?
1: You know, there, there, I, I, I see some pretty obvious gender differences, but it's not a hundred percent the way I kind of explain it. It's kind of like a 75% thing. So, you know, there's a very typical response to anger that exists in 75% of men. And there's a very typical response to anger that exists in 75% of women or, or, or whatever the topic is. So I think that there are some really significant gender differences that are important to understand, but it's definitely not hundred percent. So you can't talk, you can't just say, well, this is a guy thing because there are those 25% of guys that actually do it more like the women generally does it. Um, but it's definitely not 50, 50. I kind of, I, I kind of think it's like 75, 25 or like an 80, 20 kind of deal.
0: Gotcha. And and what, can you tell us, like, what, give us some examples of, like, some of, like, the 75%, 80%, like, responses, like, from men and women? Yeah, so,
1: so, so generally, and again, there's, you know, if anyone's listening, you you might say, well, that's not me. And I would say that's totally cool because there are, there's exceptions. You might be in the 25% camp. But, so, like, a typical thing, like, with a husband and a wife that are in an argument, this is usually how it'll go. Generally, the wife will, um, express her discontent, her discomfort, her pain about something going on in the relationship in a critical way. Okay. So she'll be critical of her husband as a way to express something that she's dissatisfied about. And generally speaking, the man in the relationship will internalize that criticism and shut down. Interesting. And, and as he shuts down, the more he shuts down, the more it activates the wife's pain and the more she criticizes. And the more she criticizes, the more he shuts down. And so that process will go on for some time until the husband feels like he can't shut down anymore and he'll end up blowing up in a fit of rage.
0: And when you say shut down, what exactly do you mean?
1: What I mean by shut down is like what he'll do is he'll as a way to kind of manage his own internal experience, he will, he will withdraw from her or he will avoid her or, you know, in a practical sense, he'll be like, you know what? I can't deal with you. I'm going to go to the garage and organize my fishing rods.
0: Right. Gotcha. Or,
1: or, you know, he's going to, or he's going to say, you know what? You're a total pain in the ass. I'm going to go to the office. So he can't engage in the conflict with her in the, In in kind of a head to head way, he pulls away from her and he avoids the conflict. So this is why, in you know, seventy five percent of men are very conflict avoidant. They don't like conflict and they'll do anything in their power to avoid it.
0: You know that that's so interesting that you say that. I mean, I can as a man, I can kind of relate to that Um, personally too. You know, Mm right? You just don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that goes not just for you know conflict with you know, my wife, it goes for almost like friendships too, or, or my Mm -hmm. uh, siblings, I'm the middle of three brothers and right. When my older brother's acting like an ass, I just, I'm like, all right, you can be an ass, but I don't have to deal with it. And so I just remove, I kind of remove myself from the situation. Um, so that's the thing that you say that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that, you know, and, and, and I think what's made me, um, you know, somewhat successful in my job is I actually fit into the 25% group of men. I'm actually in like between my wife and I in a relationship, I'm the one that would be more critical of her as a way to express my pain and she'll shut down. So my wife and I have a unique relationship. Well, it's not unique. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the minority I'll say. And the reason I think that that's, that makes me successful is because it's, it's, it's helped me. Like I can really empathize on a very deep level with most wives. because I'm like, Oh, I get it. Like you and I are kind of living in the same world. But I also, because I'm a guy and all my friends are guys and like, I'm kind of a guy's guy. Like I, I really understand the world of men too. And I'm like, look, I totally understand what's going on for you too. Like, so I feel like I've developed this kind of awareness where I can really understand both people's position in the relationship and the pain that they might feel. And so I've been able to kind of like you know navigate these conversations without people feeling like i'm taking sides because i'm that minority guy
0: yeah no and and like you said the key is that you can empathize and appreciate what both sides are are going through because you experience it yourself mhm and that's yeah. it that's half the that's half the battle right there
1: mhm
0: um wow great great stuff all right now i know you're an author right yeah.
1: Yeah. I just released a book last October. So like six months ago.
0: Yeah. Why don't you talk about it? What's it called?
1: Okay. So the book is called black belt husbands and, um, it's a marriage book, uh, for men. Uh, but a lot of women have read it and they've really enjoyed it. So I've gotten a lot of great feedback from women. Um, so it's a book that, uh, so so basically a little bit of the backdrop was, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a therapist, I'm helping people, I'm working with clients, I'm recommending uh, books for people to read in between sessions and all that stuff. And I, and I had this epiphany one day, I was like, you know what, there's really no good marriage books for men. Because most marriage books are really, they're written by women, and they're really written for women. I mean, the market from an author's perspective is like, we all know that women read this stuff and most men don't read this stuff. So because of that, most of the stuff out there is really geared towards women, Yeah, which is totally cool and totally fine. But I was like, you know what? Like I, I, I kept recommending books to guys and like my clients. And they're like, you know what? Like that book just didn't resonate with me. So I said, okay, you know what? I want to write a book. That's really for guys. That is going to really speak to guys. It's really going to speak to their world. I'm going to try to use language that they can get behind, that they're going to resonate with. I'm going to make it very male friendly. Um, I'm not going to bash guys, you know. And so I kind of set out on that mission to kind of to write a book that 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 you know my my goal was I wanted to write a book that your average guy would pick up and be like, you know what, this is actually a really good book, and I feel like the author gets me. So that was kind of my heart in it. And um, I I titled it Black Belt Husband. I do uh, jujitsu as a hobby. And so I use jujitsu as a metaphor for marriage. And I kind of walk guys through like, the belt process. Like, okay, if you're a white belt husband, this is kind of what it looks like for you. This is the things that you probably need to work on. And once you kind of master these things, then you go to a blue belt. And if you're a blue belt husband and you kind of get the picture all the way to black belt, where it's like, you've kind of arrived and, you know, to some degree that you kind of are, you've kind of mastered the husband game. So, you know, that's the book and, um, can you find it? Uh, you can find it on Amazon. Just uh, Google, or you know, uh, Black Belt Husband um, on on Amazon. You know, it's like really funny. If, if people will see this if they actually go to Amazon because you know when you when you list your book on Amazon, it asks you for all these keywords on what categories you want to list it with, and one of the categories that the book is listed under is love and romance on Amazon. But because <laughs> this is really funny, so because it's in the love and romance category, and the word. Black Belt is in the book title. It's listed amongst all these like S and M books. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people will see it. They'll be like, "Oh, did you see the book below it? You know, it's called it's called like you know like." <laughs> How to tame your wife with your black belt or something? Crazy. Recommended yeah. reading. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just as a funny side note, I haven't figured out a way to change, the, change that. Change All as right.
0: Long. So for anybody who is going to uh, look up the, the book, and uh, just be aware that you might you might see other books there that are interesting. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and 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 it's not my book. Doesn't have it's not that kind of a book. Yeah, just it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. That's funny. That yeah. that's so funny. I'm gonna put the link to it in the show notes for everybody listening. So don't worry about uh, how to find it. And Quentin, how can people find you? Do you have a website?
1: Yeah, um, they can find me. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, I'll just say the easiest one is quentinhaffner.com. People can find me at quentinhaffner.com. Uh, uh, it's my name uh, spelled out. And, uh, there's a contact form. People can email me if they want to touch, uh, touch base with me. And then if, uh, so that's one way. And then if there's any guys listening to this, uh, just as another kind of like I have a, I have a uh, black belt husband, uh, Facebook group and stuff like that. So if you want to go to black belt com, you can sign up for the, uh, Facebook group and kind of join that community. It's a lot of really great guys that are trying to figure things out in their marriage. So that's, those are two ways.
0: Awesome. Cool. Thanks uh, for saying that. I'll put that in the, yeah. uh... I'll put the link <clears throat> to the blackbellhusband.com in the in the notes too.
1: Okay,
0: cool. So, awesome. What a great talk, Quentin. I, uh, I'm so glad you came on. And, and frankly, I'll have you on again in the future. There's so much other stuff we could uh, jam on. But uh, I thought this was really good and informative. So thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's great to talk with you, Jason. It's fun to chat with another like-minded uh, soul who's out there kind of, you know, trying to do good, good stuff. And uh, we got to create that course.
0: Yeah, How I'm telling you. Your first, first fight, what
1: was, was Firstfight.com?
0: Yeah. Firstfight.com. Yeah. I love it. I love it. No. Yeah. I I, I like that. Let's, I'm definitely not going to just drop that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a good one. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. We'll work on it. And uh, that'll be the focus of our next episode.
1: I love it. We can give people a bunch of pointers on how to navigate that first fight. And, um, Yeah. It's just such a nice thing. You know, like, I feel like that's such a breakthrough in any relationship when you realize how to work through conflict, it's like, Oh my God, it's like the heavens begin to open up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 It's really powerful. All right. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. Well, we'll get right on that. All right. And get on it. We will. I'm telling you people, seriously, I actually think that's a pretty good idea. Now let me know if you agree, you know, email me, put it in a Facebook group. If you're a member of the Facebook group, but your first fight, Like getting through your first fight in a a real relationship. That's a pretty big deal, don't you think? Anyway, I'll let that marinate for a little bit. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Quentin. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I had fun talking to him. I hope you got something out of it. uh, And at the very least, was entertained a little bit. All right. If any of you are interested in private divorce coaching with me, one-on-one, or as part of a group, I do offer a variety of programs and coaching services through my uh, Divorce You programs you can find more about them at jasonlavoy.com my website or feel free to just email me if you have any questions about anything my newest program the how to divorce a narcissist boot camp is getting up to speed and i'm enrolling people a little bit at a time in small groups so i can give you guys the attention that you really need but if you're dealing with a narcissist the boot camp might be perfect for you all right that does it for this episode uh Stay tuned uh, for the next one. Again, I think I'm going to try to uh, crank out some solo episodes in the near future uh, and get some more of those going for you. But we definitely got some excellent guests coming up for you, too. And if you ever have any topic ideas uh, that you want to toss my way, always looking for uh, things you guys want to listen to. So just let me know. All right? I am out there and ready uh, to give you guys what you need. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.